Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The Eucalyptus Fiber Upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And, because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ditch the clowns on the left and the jokers on the right and join Michael Smirkanish right here in the middle. This is the Smirkanish podcast for independent minds. Hey, newsletter subscribers, I will see you tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, as I present to you our three prize-winning editorial cartoonists. Jack Oman, Steve Rogers, Rob Breen are all going to be there tonight at 7 p.m. The link is right in the newsletter. Just click on that. In fact, maybe you'll want to set it up. Uh, Steve Breen and Rob Rogers. Did I just misspeak? I think that I did. Click on the link. You can even set a reminder. 7 o'clock tonight. It'll be fun. We'll show their work, ask them questions, and I'm looking forward to hosting many of you. In today's newsletter, a great piece from Gallup about polling of the Palestinian territories. Mohammed Yunus is the editor-in-chief of Gallup, and he's here now to discuss. Mohammed, thank you for coming back. I appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, Michael. It's always a pleasure. So where specifically were they polled? Are we talking East Jerusalem? Are we talking Gaza? Are we talking the West Bank? Are we talking all of the above? We're talking all of the above. Um, We've been polling um, in the territories you mentioned, as well as Israel, um, for 17 years now. Um, Hmm. One interesting thing about the timing of this poll, Michael, is we came out of the field in these territories, the ones you mentioned, Gaza, the West Bank, and predominantly Arab neighborhoods in East Jerusalem, uh, just about a day, uh, a week, just about a week before uh, this latest round of conflict started, we were actually scheduled to start polling across Israel that following Monday. Wow. And we got delayed. We're back in the field now. We're almost halfway done. And we'll be reporting on what we find among Israelis as well on some of these topics. Before I get to the result, how difficult, how challenging is it to get good data from, say, Gaza? That's a great question. Actually, on, 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 on the Gallup podcast, I talked with Jay, our regional director, about exactly that point. Um, and, you know, interestingly, it's actually a lot easier to poll there than it is in most Arabic-speaking countries. Um, there is a permit process, which is actually true for the most of the Middle East, where you have to get the Census Bureau or statistical authority, whatever the local authority is, to approve your questions. But we're able to poll across Gaza. We're able to ask pretty much what we want. 
um, independently without any kind of government uh, presence or, or um, interference while we're doing so. So it's not easy. Certainly I wouldn't say that, but it's a lot more doable than you think. And, and we've been doing it for 17 years. Is it phone driven? Is it in person or a combination thereof? It's in person. Uh, one of the challenges with Gaza specifically is we can't have people go in and out very easily. So we hire local people, as we do across the entire world, that are that are trained, that are survey researchers. Um, we train them on our methodology. We've been doing that in Gaza for years. Uh, when we have an issue that we need to solve or address or advise in Gaza, we need to do it through Zoom uh, because it's just not easy to kind of you know roll up in there. But it's also not easy in the West Bank. It's it's really complicated to move around the West Bank, especially if you are a Palestinian. Um, so, again, I'm not in any way trying to make it seem like it's easy, but it's been very doable and we've been doing it pretty consistently. OK, so recognizing that this is a snapshot in time that precedes the events of 10-7, what did you find relative to, say, a two state solution? Well, we didn't find a lot of uh, confidence in a two-state solution. Actually, you know, it ranges from 16 to 34 percent of Palestinians now say in Gaza, sorry, specifically say that they support a, a, a situation where there's an independent Palestinian state existing alongside an independent state of Israel. Most tragically, it's the lowest among younger Palestinians. Now, that hasn't always been the case uh, as early as say about 2012, 59% of Palestinians supported a two-state solution. So I wouldn't want listeners to hear that and say, oh, well, there's no hope. There's, you know, These people don't want a two-state solution. Actually, support was actually pretty consistent in the majority. Um, I think what's happened is people have lost hope in a two-state solution, primarily because of the lack of serious negotiations that have really taken place now for over a decade, I think it's fair to say. Right. The but other I, piece... I... Mohammed, I should I should make sure that we're differentiating between confidence in like, hey, do you have confidence that, that there will someday be a two state solution as compared to would you be supportive of a two state solution? And I think your numbers are 73 percent saying they are not supportive. They're unsupportive of a two state solution. Absolutely. And that 72 percent has been on a steady rise really mm. since 2012. In 2012, it was 40% that said that they did not support and 59% said that they support. Today, that 59% support has dropped to 24% support. So absolutely, whether it's hope or whether they support it, those numbers have definitely moved very much into the negative. I'd also like to say that we see similar trends among Israelis. So this is, and we'll be updating this when we get, especially after what's been happening in the past three to four weeks. So this is not unique to Palestinians. It's actually pretty consistent across um, the entire group of people that live in Israel, Palestine. Um, hope and seeing it as a realistic outcome now is on the decline among pretty much everyone. You think that you'll see a similar rise in lack of support among Israelis for a two step? Well, I imagine you would now. You know, now it's now that that whole uh, sample is I'm not sure what word I should use, but it's going to be skewed by the recent events. It'll be, I think, some time before you can you can figure out what would the attitude be after the dust may settle. This I'm so happy we're digging into this, Michael. This is such a great example of how. And I'll say we as Americans, right, we hope for a solution. Uh, we want people to think and feel a certain way. 
But you're right. The realities on the ground, um, it's not shocking that these numbers have changed. It would actually be a little insane to watch what's happening on TV and then poll people and, you know, nine out of 10 say, of course, we want a two state solution. It's going to happen next week. You know, these are real lives uh, being impacted by what's happening on both sides. And the data really demonstrate that the worse the conflict has gotten, the less likely people have hope or just see it as a realistic outcome. Um, right now, when we ask, do you think that a permanent peace between Israel and Palestine, which is the way we ask it in the Palestinian territories, will ever be reached? 81% of Palestinians say no. They don't think that a permanent peace will ever be achieved. You got to remember, half of the people in Gaza are under the age of 19. So this is really all they've known. Um, and there's reality has given them very few reasons to think otherwise. This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the Super Light Tree Runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the Super Light Tree Runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a Super Light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S.com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. The Michael Smirconish Program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. Does it matter who the American president is at a particular time? When you go back and you look at Gallup data, does it matter if it were Obama or I maybe should go back further to, to, to W, uh, Trump, it, Biden? It doesn't. It really doesn't, Michael. The question that we ask is how much do you trust the U.S. and we enter the president's name, whoever's in office, 
to help Israel and Palestine negotiate a peace treaty that's equally fair to both sides, a majority of Palestinians have said no, none at all. They have no trust at all for that to happen. For Biden, it was 70% saying none at all. For Barack Obama, in 2015, it was 76% saying not at all. And Barack Obama had an interesting ride in this region because there was a lot of hope after that Cairo speech that things would be different. That hope crashed quickly. But it was the same for George W. Bush as well. So it's pretty consistent across presidents. So far, Mohammed, I'm getting a sense of an amazing uh, degree of pessimism from the Palestinians preceding the events of 10-7. Well, yes, absolutely. And one of the questions, uh, many of the questions that we've been asking around the humanitarian situation in Gaza specifically that we're going to release soon, Michael, I wanted to share them here first. Um, are things like, do children have the opportunity to learn and grow? 28% of people in Gaza said yes to that question. That's a pretty low bar in most of the world. Uh, No matter how tough things are, a majority of people say, yeah, for the most part, children have the opportunity to learn and grow. The other thing, Michael, that these newer data, well, this new article that we're going to put out on these humanitarian crisis data show is that there's a pretty big gap between the West Bank and Gaza. So people in Gaza are more likely to say they haven't had access to food and shelter that their family needs in the last year. They're less likely to say that where they live is a is a good place for children to learn and grow. Um, They're more likely to express uh, that they've experienced a lot of anger the day before. So a lot of the basic humanitarian issues that we're watching unfold on the screen now have been particularly challenged um, in Gaza, even compared to the West Bank and certainly East Jerusalem. What's the anger question? The anger question is a question that we ask all over the world, and it's barely, basically, have you experienced a lot of blank in the previous day? We ask about anger, stress, worry. We also ask about happiness um, and a lot of other positive uh, factors. When it comes to the anger among Palestinians in particular, um, people in Gaza said that they experienced a lot of anger, 44% of Palestinians in Gaza said that they experienced a lot of anger the day before the interview. Again, this was before the conflict that we're watching unfold um, has taken place. The comparison was 36% among people in the West Bank and East Jerusalem, Palestinians, I should say, in the East Bank and West Jerusalem. And then we asked about stress. Do you experience a lot of stress? 53% of Palestinians in Gaza said they experienced a lot of stress the day before we surveyed them. Um, and compared to 40 percent of Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza. And it doesn't matter Excuse me, in the West Bank and East Jerusalem. Sorry it doesn't that. matter what's generating that stress or that anger or that worry. It's just it's just open ended, you know, within the last 24 it, hours or however you say it. Were, have you been angry? Absolutely. It's open-ended intentionally, and we ask it across the world. It's actually part of the data that goes into the World Happiness Report. So one of the things we're doing with the World Poll is really tracking these experiential well-being metrics across, you know, Norway to South Africa. Um, And we ask them as well across the Middle East, and those were the findings. Do you know what you would get in the United States? I'm I'm looking for something that I can compare 44% of those in Gaza saying that they've been angry in the last day. It's far lower. I, I should know that by heart. I don't. You caught me. But no, it's no, no, no. I, I, I should Maybe I shouldn't have even... asked. No, I'm just. No, cur- no, I'm just curious because if you if I answered the phone from Gallup later today and you asked me that question, I would be two for three. I'd give you stress and I'd give you worry. I don't think I'd give you anger in the last 24 hours. I might, but probably not. 
Absolutely. And that's it's a really good point, Michael, in the context of everything, right? What stresses us out, me and you as news people here in the in the eastern part of the country, is going to be very different than what stresses you out if you are a, a parent in Gaza or you are a parent in Israel uh, that's worried about the safety of your kids. So part of why we ask these questions is particularly because of that, because situations are different. And we certainly ask topical questions like we started this conversation with, but we've also learned that polling the world, it's very useful to ask some of these questions irrespective of context. I'll give you one of the most useful state stability metrics we've gathered across the world is a very similar question. It asks you to evaluate your life on a scale from zero to 10 and then evaluate what you think it'll be in five years. When you look at all the Arab uprisings um, in those nations, when you look at the Euromaidan revolution, when you even look at the election of Donald Trump, those metrics were the most prescient on things turning out differently than conventional wisdom told us they would in those countries, because it captures the hope factor. And we can learn a lot from asking how people are experiencing their lives, irrespective of adding any contextual or political um, flavoring, if you will, to the question. We do both. But these ones are intended to be neutral. It's very valuable because uh, of happenstance, the events that transpired that you didn't know that were coming, you gallop. But it's very valuable to offer a snapshot, a window into the thought process of Palestinians right before this all began. Absolutely. Um, and we plan to do it, you know, God willing, after this uh, all ends. Because people's perceptions and how they're living their lives are really the only way to tell the truth of what's happening to people in their own lives. Um, the media co coverage of this has been massive. Um, I think there's uh, been a lot of questions this conflict, this time around, about the neutrality and objectivity of both sides of the story, if you will, seeping into the media coverage. But when I look and see that 57% of people in Gaza said that there was a time they couldn't afford food that their family needed in the last 12 months, it really sheds, a, I think, a useful light on this, mm -hmm. the degree of the humanitarian crisis currently unfolding now that, you know, bombs are dropping and um, the border has not been open completely from Egypt to, to allow that aid to go in. Mohammed, give me the takeaway. The editor-in-chief of Gallup gives us that one nugget. What is it that we should remember from this analysis? Things were really bad for uh, the Palestinians in general before this conflict unfolded based on how they describe their lives. But I think the real nugget is things were really different in Gaza. Um, as people who are very removed from this uh, conflict, it's easy to kind of lump all Israelis together, all Palestinians together. Gaza is a really unique situation, uh, both military situation, humanitarian situation, economic situation, and the data have really consistently shown that. Now, uh, for over a decade, I'm very eager to get our data out of Israel and start digging into what parts of Israeli society are feeling some of these negative experiences the most. Are they the folks living closest to Gaza? Are they the folks living um, in settlement for uh, situations, for example? So our job at Gallup is really to report on the will of the people. Our founder had an epigraph. If democracy is the will of the people, somebody should go find what that will is. And we'll continue to do our best. Uh, to report the numbers straight up and share what we're learning. That was really illuminating. I'm grateful. Thank you, Mohammed. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for what you do, man.
Mohammed Yunus is the editor in chief of Gallup. TC, uh, question yesterday. Did you experience within the last day anger? Yes or no? And, and this is anger like I'm angry or someone around me is angry. You. We're, we're talking about you. Want to know whether you've you experienced anger a lot of the previous day? Have you? Let me ask it more clearly. Have you experienced anger a lot within the last 24 hours? No. Stress. Yes. Worry. Yes. Okay. I'm in, I'm in the same two categories. There you go. We'll compare yeah. notes. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit make these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Take the super light tree runner on your next adventure. Its cushy, lightweight foam midsole supports every step, and the extra outsole traction gives you the grip to just go for it. The eucalyptus fiber upper adds next-level breathability to keep you going all day. Plus, the super light tree runner is comfortable and ready to go right out of the box. So, what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Smirconish program. Listen weekdays at 9 a.m. East on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and anytime on the Sirius XM app. You know, in the last three weeks, we've uh, we've aired lots of disparate views on the whole situation of Gaza's attack on Israel, the Hamas, pardon me, attack on Israel on the 7th, and the things that have happened thereafter. I said earlier in the program today, I, I get divergent opinions I can't wrap my head around someone who's tearing down one of the kidnapped posters off a New York City telephone pole or utility pole. And now I'm reading quotes from someone who's doing exactly that and trying to explain themselves. Kidnapped. 
the posters say in big block letters above pictures of people taken hostage by Hamas terrorists during the October 7 attack in Israel, urgent reminders of the men, women and children still being held hostage in Gaza. But on college campuses and in cities around the world in recent weeks, people have been caught tearing them down. Quote, you should be ashamed of yourself, a man says in a video posted on social media as he watches two young people at the University of Southern California shove wadded up posters into the trash. So you get it. It's like a campaign. Hey, let's remember these people are still not free. Photographs of them. Description of who they are. And across the top, kidnapped. And in this Catherine Rossman story, there is a... uh, uh, an interview with with one of the people who's tearing them down. Here's what it says. Miles Grant is 24. He takes down posters in New York, quote, occasionally, he said in a telephone interview. It's the lack of context that gets me, said Mr. Grant, who said that he is Jewish and a self-described pro-Palestinian who is not a Zionist. It's so obvious that they don't care about people's lives, he said, of those putting up the kidnap posters. I see. So he his view of this is if you're putting up one of those posters, then then you're hardened to the reality of the Palestinians as their life is presented in some of the data I just discussed with Mohammed Yunus. If they did, he said, the posters would include details explaining the history of the Israel-Palestinian conflict. Why did this happen? And what are the events that led to this happening? That's what's missing. And I think it's intentional. He said that he had felt concerned at times that he would end up in a viral video, but he has not let that deter him. Quote, I think they're putting them up to bait people to take them down. I think it's disgusting how they're trying to destroy people's lives. So the guy who's tearing down the notification, the the representation, the kidnap poster of someone being held hostage says, like, they're the ones trying to destroy people's lives, the ones who are trying to remember those being held captive today. Then further along at the end of the story, this made me think as well. It says, on Long Island, Gary Sadik has found a way to ensure that the posters stay up. With friends and relatives, he has gone door to door through the town's of Cedarhurst, Hewlett, Inwood, Lawrence, and Woodmere, and ask store and restaurant owners to display the kidnap posters inside the windows that face the street. He has friends doing the same in New Jersey and Florida. Quote, this way, it's not possible to deface or remove them. And I'm thinking, okay, in some of the communities that he just identified, I'm sure the shopkeepers would be thrilled it's in good community relations and their business and so forth. Of course, I'll put it in my window. But I can also imagine somebody out there who's who's you know just looking to sell Nikes to everybody like, ah, oh, I don't know anything about it. It's also intimidating. You want me to put this poster what? Where? What, what exactly am I saying with it? I'm not sure that uh, gentleman that was quoted is the best representation of exactly what's going on. I'm curious as to. I, I don't. I don't, like, I, don't, I, don't I don't get it. I don't. I don't get. There's. There's a Broadway producer. Yeah. There's a Broadway producer who was at West Sixty Second Street in Manhattan using scissors to remove a poster from a utility box captured on video. He's been identified uh, in the New York Post. Like, what could he be thinking as he's tearing that down? 
I don't, I, like, I don't I can, know. I can understand, and, and I'm just reflecting on the discussion that I just had with Mohammed. Right, I, having an, a, a highbrow discussion about the differences yes, is one thing. I, I can understand people wanting to talk about the, the treatment of the Palestinians in the West Bank and in Gaza and talk about the history and the events and a two-state solution and everything else. But, but okay, like here's a woman or a kid being held hostage right now by Hamas. And someone has seen it appropriate to put their photograph on a utility pole in New York City or in Florida or at USC. And and now you tear that down like, OK, that you're going to put up your own poster to talk about Palestinian rights and and, you know, protecting their homeland. All right. But no, I'm going to tear down your kidnap poster. It's just it's brutal. It's a brutal environment. It's very hard to have a good conversation. I think we we here, meaning all of us and you who listen and dial this program, uh, have a lot to be proud of in the last three weeks, because I think we've handled all these things appropriately. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Mm-hmm. 